Bibles, would you take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. The Gospel of Mark chapter 4. We are continuing to look through the Gospel of Mark and uh, the life and the teaching and the ministry and the miracles and the provision and the protection and the compassion of Jesus Christ. It's what the Gospels are all about. They're all focused on Jesus. Really, if you think about it, the entire Bible is focused on Jesus. The Old Testament was looking forward to Christ. The Gospels tell about Christ and and the epistles and the book of Acts. They they, they look back to Christ but also look forward to His return. It's all about Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Mark chapter 4 is where we are. So I, 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 and, and let me just say this as well. I, I come to this time on a Sunday morning. I come to this time right here, right now, as we're about to go into His Word. I come to this time with a tremendous amount of anticipation for what Jesus is going to do in us. You see, I believe that this Word, this Word is powerful when proclaimed. This Word is life-changing when not only proclaimed, but also received. And if we receive His Word and we say, Lord, speak to me today, speak to me in these moments, if we come with that kind of an anticipation, I believe that Jesus has a powerful way of transforming our lives as we receive His Word. So let's pray that. Jesus... Now, as we go into your word, I pray that you would speak to us and that you would speak very clearly, that your Holy Spirit would bring this word to our hearts, to our minds, and that you would change us. Lord, it is really all about you. And today, as we look again at another event in your earthly ministry, we know that your ministry did not end when you ascended into heaven, but when you sent your Holy Spirit, you continue by your Holy Spirit, and through your followers, you continue to minister to us. And so Jesus, we receive you today. We receive all that you have for us today. Speak to us, I pray, through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples We're on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. In verse 35, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. They're on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he said, let us go over to the other side. Well, the most efficient way to get to the other side of any body of water is, of course, on a boat. So together, the Bible tells us a little bit later, Together, they boarded a boat, and Jesus, probably exhausted from ministry, if you are even at all aware of what happened prior to this story, you know that Jesus was giving out again and again, and he was exhausted. They get into the boat, and Jesus, the Bible tells us, promptly fell asleep. Let me explain something. The Sea of Galilee is a large inland lake. It's fresh water. Sea, kind of, we think salt water, but it was a, it's a large freshwater lake. It's about 13 miles north to south, about eight miles east to west. It's actually the lowest, uh, according to sea level, it is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. 700 feet below sea level is the Sea of Galilee. Around the Sea of Galilee, the entire perimeter is surrounded by mountains. And with these mountains, between the mountains, there are passes or valleys that come and lead onto 
the Sea of Galilee. So I, I want you to picture kind of like a big bowl, sides of the bowl being the mountains with valleys leading into it, and the surface of the bowl, that, that freshwater lake called the Sea of Galilee. So they're on this Sea of Galilee, and, and because of the terrain that I just explained with the mountains and the low sea level and, and, the, uh, and the valleys leading into it, because of this, the terrain is very conducive to sudden storms, violent storms that can come in hard and can come in very, very fast. And that's exactly what happened. Verse 36, Mark chapter 4, it says this, Leaving the crowd behind, they took Jesus along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. Verse 37, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Stop there for a moment. I want you to imagine for a moment uh, this, this powerful powerful storm, this, this powerful wind that was perhaps coming through these valleys and onto the surface of the water. It was, it was piling up the water. It was creating huge waves so large, the Bible says that it was coming over the, the side of, of the boat. It, it, I looked up the word squall. A squall almost always involves depending on where you live, either rain or snow. It wasn't snow that day, but it was rain. So just imagine this in your mind. The, the, the wind is strong and powerful. The waves are huge, and, and the rain is coming down, or maybe it's not so much coming down, maybe it's coming sideways, and, and it's hitting them, and it's striking them. Man, what a storm it must have been. In fact, it was a storm that was so furious it was so furious that the disciples, some of whom were fishermen, felt that they were going to perish, that they were going to die. Now, this is just conjecture, but I think that if, if a fisherman says a storm is so bad that they're going to die, maybe that's a bad storm. And so I just want you to picture this in your minds. It came, it came hard and it came fast. What a storm. Another gospel. Matthew's gospel said this storm came, quote, without warning. They didn't see it coming. It was just suddenly there as they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. There's a lot to this story this morning, and, and uh, I, I, there's a lot that I want you to get. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write some of these things down because they relate very much to our lives. If you're taking notes, here's one thing, and that is big storms can come without warning. Big storms can come without warning. And when I say big storms, I'm not talking about squalls on the Sea of Galilee or even blizzards on the plains of South Dakota. I'm talking about the storms or the tragedies or the difficult seasons that, that seem to almost threaten our very survival. Some of you can look back, even in recent months, certainly in the last year or two, and you can pinpoint times where you did not see it coming, but suddenly there was a storm, a tragedy, difficult season, a hard thing or a hard time that caused you to wonder if you would make it through. These kinds of storms. I, I, uh, I received a, a note this last week that... Uh, that that actually on Friday, that that a uh, I found out yesterday that a friend of mine, a, 
young man, 48 years old, uh, used to work for me, and, and, and just a delightful brother in the Lord was suddenly killed. And, and, I, and I thought, what, what a storm that his family is experiencing right now. They did not see it coming, but it was, it was a powerful, powerful storm that they're going. These kinds of storms can cause us to wonder if we're going to make it. You ever have a storm like that? Storms can blow in after just one phone call. Storms can blow in after just one meeting with a doctor. These kinds of storms can arrive after one letter is read or one email is read or one text is read. Life storms. These kinds of life storms can come after just one careless moment by you or someone else on a road. Storms. Sudden and furious. Often arriving with little or no warning. One moment, everything seems fine. Everything is relatively good. Everything, the sky is blue and, 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 and the future looks clear. And then the next moment, it's almost like waves are coming over the side of your boat. Don't raise your hands, but have you been there? You face storms like that? There's another truth that this teaches us, and that is that followers of Jesus Christ will go through big storms. If you're writing notes, go ahead and write that down because that, that's, that's a truth that we need to remember. The followers of Christ will go through big storms. The disciples, the disciples were in this boat. Remember, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And so they were in this boat because Jesus had led them to this place. They were followers of Jesus, literal followers of Jesus. Jesus said, let's go. They went, they followed, and because they followed him, they were in a storm. And the fact is that followers of Jesus Christ have never been exempt from storms. I wish that were the case. How many here would really, wouldn't it be nice if you give your heart to Jesus and no more storms? I'll tell you, everyone, if, if, if that's all there was, then everyone would say it's the best thing ever. It is the best thing ever, but not for that reason. Followers of Jesus Christ will go through storms. If a Christian believes that they are exempt from a storm or that they are exempt from the storms of life, if people, Christians, start believing that, then when those storms, those life storms, unexpectedly and inevitably come, those believers can start thinking that God failed them or that that his promises are not, are not true. I have known followers of Jesus Christ who, who really sincerely believed that as a follower of him, I am somehow exempt, that this has no place in my life. And then when it does come into their life, when that storm, that squall suddenly comes up and they, and, and they face that tragedy or that hard season or that difficulty, they begin thinking, God, do you... Do you know what, what I'm going through? Even to the point where I've known some who've said, God, are you even there? And I think we need to understand that there are, there are certain storms that we can go into that are self-induced. We can, we can do things that, that bring storms on ourselves, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are following him, there are times when you are going to find yourself in a storm in large part even because you are following him. The fact is, Jesus never said the believer's life would be storm-free. He never said that. 
Here's another truth that I want you to get from this, this story. Verse 38, uh, 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 when big storms come, go to Jesus. When big storms come, go to Jesus. Verse 38 says this, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion and they woke him. Now, now, waking him was a very good thing. If Jesus is there and you're in a storm, it's really good to go to Jesus. And this is what they did. That, that was a good thing up to this point. But then it says, they said to him, don't you care if we drown? What a statement. You see that there? Verse 38, teacher, don't you care if we drown? What a question. I can, I can picture this so easily in my mind. You know, the, the wind's blowing strong. The, the ship, the boat is rocking. The waves are coming over the side. The, the rain is hitting them in the face or in the back of the head. And they come to Jesus and they wake him. That's a good thing. But then they said, don't you, don't you care if we drown? What a question. The disciples, their statement reveals that the disciples had arrived at a false conclusion. A false conclusion, let me explain. A false conclusion happens when a person with insufficient information or a person with insufficient understanding comes to a determination on a matter. Let me give you an example. You're in a store. You see a friend of yours, a couple, you know, some distance away. You wave to them and they don't wave back. In fact, they, they, they don't even acknowledge that you are there. You can come to the false conclusion that, that they're angry at you or that they're arrogant or that, that, that you're beneath them, and we can sometimes come to that kind of a false conclusion. Um, what you don't know is they forgot their glasses and they can't see you. That's an example of a false conclusion. We, we just assume something because we have limited information or limited understanding. It happens all the time. Not having all the information, you come to a false conclusion. The disciples had come to a false conclusion. They thought they had Jesus figured out. They knew that Jesus was a teacher. In fact, in this very line, they said, Teacher, don't you, don't you care if we drown? They knew that he was a teacher. They had heard him say things unlike anyone had ever said before. They, they had heard him tell these stories that bring these powerful kingdom truths into a very understandable way. They knew he was an incredible, incomparable teacher. They also know he, knew him as a miracle worker. They had seen Jesus deliver people from demons, heal sick bodies, heal sick minds, straighten spines and, and heal hearts and, and, and heal eyes and heal hearing and and, and maybe even at this point, they'd already seen him raise someone from the dead. They knew that Jesus was a great teacher. They knew that he was a great miracle worker. But I don't think that they yet realized that he was the Son of God. They'd come to a false conclusion. Not having all of that information, they came to the false conclusion that Jesus did not care. See, you see, they, they did not yet understand, they did not yet know that Jesus cared so much that God became man. They did not understand that God loved them so much that he gave them his only son. 
teacher, don't you, don't you care if we drown? I don't think they understood really who they were speaking to. They did not understand that Jesus cared so much that in the year or two following this event, Jesus would himself die on a cross for them. He would go to the point of capital punishment on their behalf. Not only on their behalf, but for the sins of mankind. The perfect, holy, guiltless one would die for them. That's how much he cared, but they asked this question. They'd come to this false conclusion. Sometimes when we encounter life storms, sometimes when we encounter these hard times, these tragedies, and Jesus does not answer us in the way or in the timing that we would prefer, we can make the false conclusion that he doesn't care about us. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what you're going through, so if I happen to hit on this, it's not because I'm breaking a confidence, because I really don't know. But has someone here this week said, God, do you still love me? Or God, do you still care for what I'm going through? Or have you come to the false conclusion wondering if God still knows where you are? Have you come to the false conclusion because of some tragedy, because of some hardship, because of some difficult time, have you come to the false conclusion that God does not care what you're going through? He does care. He does care. Maybe you're there right now. (laughs) What I've shared from this text really isn't good news to this point, but it's still speaking to us and we're We're receiving something from it. There's something else that I want you to see, and that is when big storms come, remember that Jesus is in the boat. Now that's some really good news. When you come to those big storms, when they come, remember that Jesus is in the boat. Back in verse 36, it says that there were other boats there that night. And they were crossing at the end of the day in the evening. There were other storms there that night. Now, those, we, we don't know whatever happened to them. Uh, we, we really don't. We know that this storm probably affected more than just this one little spot here. It probably affected much of that sizable lake. So I don't know what happened to those boats. The Bible doesn't say. But I do know this, that if there were other, if there were other boats still on the, ocean, on the sea when, when, when uh, this storm struck, all of them could have got, gone down, but the boat that Jesus was on was not going to go down. This boat would not sink because Jesus was in this boat. This boat, of all of the boats on the surface of the Sea of Galilee that day, that boat was the absolute safest place to be. It was going to rock, it was going to turn, water was going to come in, but it wasn't going to be under the water because Jesus was in this boat. Now now listen to me. How, How does this relate to us? If Jesus is dwelling in you, and I make that conditional, if he is, if Jesus Christ is dwelling within you, if you have surrendered your life to Him, if Jesus Christ is your Lord, and you know this beyond any question, you know that Jesus is in my life, that that Jesus has saved me, that Jesus has transformed me, if you know this, then I have some really great news for you this morning, and that is you are in His boat. Verse 
Isn't that good news? You're in his boat. And sometimes we forget that. God, what's going to happen? Well, I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know how hard it's going to be, but I know this, that if I've given my life to him, then I'm in his boat. I don't know what's going to happen to you if you're not in his boat. That's a scary place to be. But if you are Christ's, when you gave your heart to him, when you surrendered your life to him, then he brought you into his boats. Centuries before this, David, king of Israel, went through some storms as well. And yet, knowing that God was with him, he wrote these words, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's a familiar text, but, but, but I want you to understand it in context. He, he had faith because he knew that God was with him. Three godly men in ancient Babylon knew about storms when they were condemned to die in a fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to some pagan idol. They knew that God was with them because they said, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. See, they understood. They knew that they were, if I can use this expression, they were in God's boats. The Apostle Paul faced a lot of storms. He knew that God was with him because he wrote, For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Here's a man who understood, I'm in his boat, and I'm going to put my trust in him. In the second century, a Christian named Polycarp, funny name but not a funny story, a Christian named Polycarp, he knew something about storms. In fact, uh, history tells us that he refused to burn incense to one of the Roman Caesars, and for that, they condemned him to burn at the stake. But knowing that God was with him, Polycarp said these words, Eighty and six years I have served Christ, and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my King and my Savior? Near the end of the Second World War, two sisters, Corey and Betsy Ten Boom, were, held, were being held in Ravensbrück concentration camp. Now that's a storm, isn't it? And they knew storms. The older sister, Betsy, knew Jesus was with them because just before she died, she said these words, no pit is so deep that God is not deeper still. See, that's a person who says, this is a storm, but I'm in Jesus' boat. This is a hard time. This is a, this is a tragic time. This is the hardest time I've ever been in my life. And I don't know exactly how long it's going to take, and I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I do know this, I'm in his boat. I want you to remember these words, and that's why I wanted you to see them on the screen. I wanted 
you to see some of their pictures because they serve to remind us that millions of God's people before us have gone through storms. I don't want to minimize what you're going through, but there's, I doubt there's a storm that you're experiencing that some fellow believer long before you did not also go through. Millions of people, followers of Jesus Christ, in the last 2,000 years, godly people before that, throughout the Old Testament, godly people have gone through storms. They remind us that our Lord goes through storms with us. What a comfort in knowing Jesus is in your boat. I mean, let's just say that. Jesus is in my boat. Jesus is in my boat. Let's say it together. Jesus is in my boat. I want you to get that in your spirit. If you've surrendered your life to Him, or, or, or maybe even better, I'm in Jesus' boat. There's another thing. When big storms rage, remember Jesus' words. That's important too. When big storms rage, remember Jesus' words. Again, back in verse 35, Jesus had said, let's go over to the other side. Right? Jesus said, he, Jesus said let's go over to the other side. Maybe the storm in its ferocity made them forget Jesus' words. But Jesus said, Let's go over to the other side. And they weren't going to go over to the other side unless Jesus said so, but he did say so. So regardless of what happened between point A and point B, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Friends, sometimes when we're going through a storm, and, it, and it's a big storm. I mean, it's a vicious storm. I mean, it's a raining sideways kind of storm. It's a... It's a water-over-the-sides-of-the-boat kind of storm. Sometimes when we're going through a storm, right in the midst of it, it is, it is easy to give in to what we feel. I know this. It's so easy to give in to what we feel and say, man, I just don't, I don't feel very jazzed about my walk with Christ right now. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't feel like I have much faith. I, I, just, I just don't feel like we're going to make it. But we must not let, listen to me, so let me speak to right where you, some of you are right now. We must not, you must not give in to the feelings of fear or dread or despair. You must not let those, those things overwhelm your faith in Jesus Christ. There are times, there are so many times when, when we are going through a storm, that's why it is so important to be in this Word, not only in the good times, but in the hardest of times. But let me tell you something, if you are in this book uh, just on a regular basis, when those hard times comes, you are just naturally going to go to this book. And there are times when we just need to pull this book out and start reading the promises of God and saying, God, I don't feel it right now, but I'm going to stand upon it. I don't, I don't get it right now, but I'm going to trust you. I don't feel, I don't feel victorious in the, in the least part, but I'm going to stand in the victory that is you. We need to remember His words. We need to remember what He's told us. Remember that God's Word tells us that He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. His Word tells us that He will be with us even to the ends of the earth. 
His Word tells us that He will take us to the very end. And then when we breathe our last breath, we will go to be with Him in glory. Glory to God, we win. And we need to remember His words. Because if we don't, we might not make it through. We may give in to despair. It doesn't mean that, that we won't make it, but what, what I mean is in our, in, our, in our hearts and in our minds, we just may give up. We need to remember what He's told us. Here's another truth. Jesus can quiet the biggest storms. Jesus can quiet the biggest storms. Again, the... <laughs> It's still storming, right? <laughs> At this point, it's still storming. <laughs> the wind was howling. The waves were thrashing. The boat was rocking. The people were despairing. And then verse 39 reads this way. Jesus got up and rebuked the wind, and He said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the Greek language does not really contain punctuation. And you see there in the text there, after the words quiet and be still, there's exclamation point. How, how, how do we know that an exclamation point belongs there? Because it says he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, the Greek words that are, the word rebuke means to speak harshly. It's the same word that Jesus would use when he was addressing a person who was demon possessed. He would speak harshly to them. He, wouldn't, he wasn't passive with them. He would speak harshly. Jesus rebuked the wind and He said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! <laughs> Here, here's what I think. He, he, he rebuked the wind by saying, Quiet! And, and He said to the waves, Be still! <laughs> Pretty strong statements. And then when Jesus spoke those words, Quiet, be still. It then says, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now again, I want you to use that wonderful imagination that God gave you. In one moment, everything's just crazy. Everything is going sideways. Water's coming over the side. Guys are screaming. I mean, they're, 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 they're right. There's one guy in the corner writing out his will. This is it's all over with. Putting it in a bottle and throwing it over. I don't know what he's doing. But they're ready to give up. And then with three words, quiet, be still, another miracle happens. This one who, who spoke to demons and demons had to flee. This one who spoke to disease and disease was cured. He speaks to nature. This is the Son of God. This is the one who was present at creation. He is so powerful that not only are the demonic subject to him, but nature itself is subject to the creator of the universe. He says, quiet! Be still. <laughs> the wind stops and it says it's completely calm. And, and it's, now, now, you know that in a storm, it's going to continue. But it wasn't. It was like from one moment to the next, just as fast as it came, it went even faster. All of a sudden, it's glassy surface. And the only thing you can hear are the guys panting. <gasps> <gasps> Sometimes Jesus quiets storms that rage around us. There are, there are some storms that we can go through and the, the attacks are so strong, the, the threats are so strong, the, the 
opposition is so strong. The persecution is so strong. That thing at your job, in your school, in your body, in your home, it's so furious. But we serve the one who can, in a moment, take it all away. There have been times in my life where um, the storm was so strong and then from one moment to the next, it was gone. And it was like glassy surface. And you're going, God, that's amazing. Sometimes He quiets the storms around us and He can. Sometimes He quiets the storms within us. In our minds, in our hearts, questions are coming. The despair just is that close. It feels like it's just about to tip you over the edge. The attack on your spirit is so intense that you just want to run screaming into the night. Sometimes the storms are within us. The doubts, the fears, the dread, the worry... And Jesus, in his power, speaks to the storm within us. Some of you have a storm around you, and others have a storm within you. Everything in your world may be rather orderly, but there's something within that just rages. But Jesus can handle both storms. See, it's my prayer this morning preparing this message, praying through this message, that God will will not only bring you through the storm, but He will quiet you in the storm and give you the peace that you so desperately need. This last week, I, in my devotions, I... Uh, was reading, am reading through the Psalms. Psalm 94, verse 19, I saw this and I knew I was going to use it. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Isn't that powerful? As soon as I saw it, I knew I was supposed to bring it here to you this morning. When anxiety, can I, when the storm was great within me, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy, brought peace, brought calmness. He can quiet the storm within us. If Jesus could still the wind and the waves and the rain and the storm with three words, then He can bring peace to your storm. There's one more truth that I want to share with you this morning. And that is Jesus has a purpose for storms. Jesus has a purpose for the storms. Again, Jesus had had directed His followers to cross over the sea. Probably knowing it included a storm. It's not that he, you know, I read how one person said, well, I think he was just 
He was perceptive, and he saw it off in the distance, and they were busy sailing or rowing or doing whatever they were doing, needlework or something. And they were, they were busy in the boat, and they didn't see it, but Jesus did. And, 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 and so Jesus knew, knowing the story, he was going to teach them a lesson. What a bunch of malarkey. Jesus was sleeping. His eyes were closed. But I think that he knew in crossing over, there's going to be a storm. He had a purpose in the storm. Even if he didn't know or didn't care at this point, it wasn't going to bother him because storms did not bother him. He'd been through far worse than this and he would be through worse, far worse than this. But when the storm came, I, I know that he wanted to teach them. Why? Why does Jesus lead us into storms? Why does he lead us? Why, 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 as, why doesn't he just carefully hold our hands and navigate us through the storms so that when we, when we arrive then at the point of death and then we just die quietly in our sleep, no pain, why, why does he lead us through storms? Not around, but into. Why, why does he do that? Well, for one, we grow more through storms than we do through smooth sailing. We grow more through storms than we... I'm, I'm quite confident that the disciples learned something that day in the storm than they would have ever learned had it been smooth sailing all the way across the Sea of Galilee. They learned something. At the end of that day, they knew that Jesus, this one who, who, who healed and who taught like no one else, could also speak to nature itself. I believe at the end of that day they knew him more as the Son of God than they do at the be, than they did at the beginning of that day. And that's what happens in storms. We see his faithfulness. You know what? God was still faithful before the storm. We just understand it better after the storm. It's not that he's more faithful after the storm than he was before. We just have a greater understanding. We have greater information of who he is. We grow through storms. We, we, we grow deep. A couple weeks ago we had some, some roots up here and there's some rocks. With, and and we, we, we put down roots when, when storms come. We go deeper when storms come. Some of you can give testimony to this. You can look back in the last couple of years and, and, and you, you know that you're serving Jesus more now because of that storm that happened then or that's happening right now. You hold tight in storms. Here's, here's another thing, the uh, reason why I, I know Jesus leads us through storms, and that is <clears throat> to prepare us for future storms. Uh, this, this day, Mark 4, Sea of Galilee, boat, disciples, storm. Um, it was a pretty bad storm. <clears throat> it was... Uh, they were despairing of life itself. They were getting wet. They were wondering if they'd ever see their loved ones again. They, they were thinking they're, they're going down. But it wasn't the worst storm that those disciples would ever go through. There were other storms. There were other storms that came along that storms so great that, that it made that episode, brief episode on the Sea of Galilee look like a... Uh, Look like just a little dust up. But these disciples who were on this boat, 
11 of them, faced the hardest kinds of persecution and trial, ultimately death, most of them violently. They went to places where storms raged. They faced demonic spirits and entities that, 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 that threatened them and terrified people around them. But because of that storm on the Sea of Galilee, they, they made it through subsequent storms. Why, why are we going through storms right now? Why are you going through a storm right now? In part because he wants to get you for another storm that's ahead. And, and I know that that's not really cheerful and that's not maybe good news for you today, but I assure you that it is because, because uh, that storm, if, if you don't go through this storm um, and, and get toughened up, then you're not going to make it through that storm. But he knows that that storm is ahead, so he's toughening you up through this storm. He's preparing you. And while there may be others, there's one more that I can see, one other reason why God leads us into storms. And that is to teach us, to prepare us, to deepen us, as I've just mentioned, so that He then can use us to help others who are going through similar storms. You see, God does comfort us. And he does give us a peace, but he also chooses to often use fellow believers to do so. Some of you have gone through some incredible storms in recent months or years. Some of you are going through an incredible storm right now. He's preparing you, he's shaping you, he's getting you ready for, for future storms, but he's also making you into a a shelter, a storm shelter for others when they go through it. So that you can take their hand, put your arm around where they are, maybe shield a little bit of the rain from them and say, you know what, we're going to make this through and I'm going to walk with you. There, God is going to, Jesus is going to bring you through this storm. Again, don't raise your hands, but how many here have gone through storms and, and that phone call, that note, that, that visit, that cup of coffee, that, that lunch time, that prayer time with that other fellow believer made all the difference in your storm survival. And so I thank God for storms. I don't like them. I don't like storms. I, I, like, I, like, I like blizzards. You know, I, I do, I do. I like blizzards. If I'm in my house, <laughs> and, and, and there's food, I'm with my family. Come on, how many here would like a good three-day blow, right? Except those who have cattle, you don't want that. Those are working construction. But I don't like storms. I don't like them. But I thank God for them. Because He grows me, He prepares me, and He uses me to bring others through storms. What is the storm that you have or are going through? What is the storm? Here's what I want to pray. In just a few moments, we're going to close. 
I'm going to close with you standing in, in just a moment and, and, and you identifying something in your life and uh, me praying with you, not just for you, but with you. But I want to pray that God will teach you in this storm all that He wants to teach you, that He will calm you through the storm, but that He will not remove you from the storm at any point until He's done His work in you. Because for the follower of Jesus Christ, He has a purpose in the storm. Would you stand with me, please? And here's what I'd like you to do. Would you, uh, would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. I want to pray with you. While you're doing that, and before we pray, would you do this for me? Just as a, as a point of faith on your part, and a uh, point of affirmation on my part, because I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I just, I just, I just want to pray with you and identify you and know that what God has directed me to preach has settled in. So, so as an act of faith on your part, with everyone's heads bowed, your eyes closed, because it's really not important that others, unless you want to let them know, And if you do want to let them know and you're standing beside a loved one, even while you lift up one hand, would you reach over with your other hand and take the hand of that loved one just as a point of contact? But would you, would you lift up one hand and let me pray with you? If you're going through a storm right now and, and you, you want God to either quiet the storm around you or quiet the storm within you, but bring, more importantly, bring you through the storm, um, if that is you, lift up your hand right now and hold it high so that I can see you. There are many, many hands. Thank you in the balcony. You're going through a storm. Just, just, just keep holding it up for a moment as an act of faith. If you're, if you're standing beside a loved one, just reach over and take their hand with your other hand. Lord, I thank you for your presence in the storm. And right now, across this room, Lord, there are people with hands raised who are saying, really a point of contact with you, Lord. They're saying, I'm, I'm, going, through a, I'm going through a big squall right now. Or maybe it's, it's, it's more than a three-day blow. It's more than a 30-minute blow. It seems like it's years. And Lord, just with my hand up, Holding on to the hand of a loved one, I, I, we agree together, Lord Jesus, that you would teach them all that you want to teach them in this storm, that you will deepen them in the ways in which you want to deepen them, that you will prepare them for the, 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 the future storms, that you, will, that you will shape them so that they will be a, a, a useful guard and help in the life of another who's going through a storm. Oh Lord, I pray for those who are who are surrounded by a storm or who have a storm within them. And I pray for them right now. 
I pray that you will not simply deliver them, but you will teach them, that you will prepare them, that you will shape them. Lord, if the, if, the, if the storm around them rages, continues to rage, if that be your will, then Lord, would you, would you, would you do this? Would you quiet the storm within them? May you give them a holy peace. May you, may you remove that anxiety, as Psalm 94 tells us, Lord, in your word. May you, may, you, may you eliminate that anxiety and in its place put joy and peace and trust. May, may you calm the waters that are roiled within them, knowing that you are going to bring them to the other side. And Lord, would you do that as well? Would you give them the confidence that they are in your boat? that you care for them, that you have not abandoned them. May they leave this place today knowing that you care, that you are are not only aware, but you deeply care for what they're going through and that you are going to bring them through. I pray this in Jesus' name. You may put your hands down. Let's continue praying. Lord, and I thank you. I thank you for every person here, those who who are going through a storm right now or... (laughs) or those who have, but I pray for all of us because we're all going to go through a storm. At some point in the coming weeks or months or years, it's just it's a part of life. We know we're not exempt from it. I pray that when the storms come, by your Holy Spirit, would you bring back these words, Lord, from Mark chapter 4? It's why you gave them to us. Maybe, Lord, bring back the words of those others who, who were in storms decades or centuries ago. Lord, would you help us as we trust you, even in the midst of storms. Someday, Lord, we're going to gather around your throne. There will be no more storms, no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. We look forward to that day. Until then, Lord, would you, would you carry us through these storms to the other side? And when we get to the other side, we may be battered, we may be windblown, but we will arrive safely because we are in your boat. Lives are in your hands. I thank you. Your blessings, I pray now, upon every person here. Some gather around these altars as others go. Lord, may we go as we fellowship many later. I just ask your blessing there. We give you glory. May you help us in this coming week. Help us with our jobs and our families and our our investments and our finances and our and our our responsibilities and the things that we own the things that you've entrusted to us i pray jesus that you will use us for your glory to expand your kingdom help us and use us lord even to to be a help to those who are going through storms thank you lord thank you for speaking to us this day we came with high expectation and lord it's been met grateful for. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. These altars are open. Go in his power. God bless you.